It's a big week when RHAP is on the road in Chicago. Check out my live show from Chicago. That's going to be up on Thursday, Wednesday night. Shannon Gus is going to be live with you with Kelly Wentworth after Survivor. And we preview the Dondi finale with Dealer No Deal Island host Joe Manganiello all right here on RHAP. We know reality TV. Hello, everyone. I'm Sarah Carradine, podcasting from unceded Gadigal land. I'm Mari Forth. And this is Crime Scene, the true crime review podcast where we get to the heart of how true crime stories are told. You can get this fine program along with all the fantastic reality TV content by subscribing to robhasawebsite.com slash feed, R-H-A-P-U-P-S. We'd love it if you would subscribe to our feed as well. Please go to robhasawebsite.com slash crime feed. You'll get your true crime on Tuesdays. And if you've already subscribed, thank you very, very much. Uh, Sarah, what did we watch this week? We watched The Secrets of Hillsong on FX and Hulu. Uh, it was made by Vanity Fair Studios and directed by Stacey Lee, documentary film director from New Zealand. But I will let it through anyway. <laughs> <laughs> And we bullied him into eating the shit sandwich that was Jared from Subway in episode 52, the fastest returning guest in crime scene history. It's pop culture commentator and man who can recite the dollhouse murders from memory. It's Mark Blankenship. Hello, Mark. (laughs) How dare you? Yes. (laughs) Hello. I am delighted to be back and to be back so quickly so that I can cleanse my mind and soul of the program we discussed last time. (laughs) Yes, and we're so glad to have you back. Mm -hmm. Um, I also do appreciate that you mentioned my favorite young adult novel, The Dollhouse Murders, which I randomly found in a bookstore in upstate New York just a few days ago. I know, it's almost like I have a a window into your soul. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a detective. Before we get to the crime, uh, the documentary and our discussion will deal in part with child sex abuse. So if that's not for you today, uh, hop off and we'll see you next time. Um, Either way, we'd like to give you some resources and we'll link these in the show notes. In Australia, you can contact SAMSN, that's Survivors and Mates Support Network, which is peer-to-peer support for male survivors of child sexual abuse. You can contact them at samsn.org.au. There is also the National Redress Scheme on 1-800-737-377 or at nationalredress.gov.au. That's for information, support, and to make an application. If you have experienced institutional child sexual abuse in Australia, you can apply there until the end of June 2027. Otherwise, 1-800-RESPECT-R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Mari? And in the U.S., you can find support at the 24-7 Child Help National Child Abuse Hotline. That's 1-800-4-A-CHILD. So that's 1-800-422-4453. Or go to www.childhelp.org. You can also contact RAIN at 
R-A-I-N-N dot org. Thanks, Mary. We'll put all those into the show notes. So to the crime or crimes, I suppose, Mark has the summary for us. For decades, Hillsong was an international megachurch that also functioned as a powerful global brand. Though its values were Pentecostal, it presented itself as a more welcoming alternative to fire and brimstone Christianity, stressing that anyone who walked through the doors should feel like they were home. The church enhanced this image by encouraging its young pastors to get cool haircuts, wear ripped jeans on stage, and lightly endorse anti-racist causes. Most powerfully of all, Hillsong was a dominant force in contemporary worship music. It cranked out dozens of pop-adjacent albums, tours, and music videos, and it even won a Grammy. All this helped the church attract celebrity worshipers like Selena Gomez and Kendall Jenner, while mainstream news outlets cheerily covered rock and roll pastors like Carl Lentz, who led Hillsong's New York City parish and once baptized Justin Bieber. Yet there was a darker side. Hillsong's public downfall began in early 2020 when Lentz was fired after being exposed as an adulterer. Soon, more stories surfaced about the church's global pattern of sexual harassment, financial mismanagement, and exploitation of volunteers. The most damning revelations, though, were about Frank Houston, who founded an early version of the church. He was accused of sexually abusing boys as far back as the 1940s, and his son Brian, who led Hillsong into its media-savvy era, is currently on trial for covering up those allegations. Hillsong still exists, but in the wake of these scandals, it has lost its global position, perhaps forever. Wow. That was amazing. Yes, thank you. You could probably yeah. read the phone book to me, Mark. That was that was just so soothing. Why, thank you. I, I felt like I was on a real journalism-style podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that you said lightly endorsed anti-racism. And there was a point I messaged Mari. Carl Lentz really tried to cure racism, you guys. Like, he really tried. <laughs> like, he totally, oh totally God. did. <laughs> he, he, he one did. time said that, um, he one time said that racism is bad. What else could he have possibly done? <laughs> well, I wouldn't go so far as to say that he said that. He, he didn't did even say, say that, you're right. <laughs> he said you're black right. lives matter. I mean, all lives matter, but black lives matter. I mean, that- all lives matter, but we must say, oh, Carl. <laughs> Carl, Carl, Carl. So this is a four-part docuseries. We are, this 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 podcast is against uh, three and four-parters. However, Mari, I'll start with you. Four parts, barely enough. Too much? What do you say? What What do you think I'm going to say, Sarah? It was it well, was so many parts. Okay, I'm I'm gonna go. I'm a rant for like two seconds here. All right, because I I have consumed eight hours worth of Hillsong propaganda. I don't know uh, because this isn't the first four part series that I've watched about Hillsong. I watched. Hillsong, Secrets of a Mega Church Exposed, what, last year when it came out on ID Discovery? And so, and we talked about, I remember back then we talked about thinking about covering that. I said, no, thank you. I, I really wasn't interested. But then we had this amazing guest, Mr. Mark Blankenship, 
want to do want to cover the new one, which is fine. And I said, okay, for you, I will. <laughs> and then I sat down and I watched this four part docuseries and I got mad all over again because honestly, why did I, I give up eight hours of my life to this? It, it truly felt like like um, the docuseries aside, like this is for me, this is docuseries aside. Why are we continually to beat dead horses? Like this felt reminiscent of the Murdoch case getting a uh, three, three part docuseries. This feels re- reminiscent of like Ted Bundy getting 80 million documentaries. Like I'm so sick and tired of true crime, like beating dead horses when, when they find something like shiny to, to talk about. So that irked me. Now, the property itself, this four-part docuseries, also slightly irked me. Mostly because <laughs> we the difference between this docuseries and the 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 other one that I watched, um, Carl Linz and his wife was actually a part of this. And uh throughout this, I will give my um thoughts on the handling between both the the the, the docuseries, but I don't want to muddy the waters as much. But let me just say, I felt this docuseries was kind of like, all right, we get it. You heard Carl Lenz was bad. Like, he's bad. But guys, like, Hillsong is, like, worse. And, like, he's, like, bad, but he's, like, not that bad. And look at him. He's kind of, he's kind of getting it. He's repenting. You know, not like that Brian Houston guy. Like, ew, boo, boo, Brian Houston. Like, I felt like they were trying to... I was I felt like I was trying they were trying to make me pick a side and I think it's because I watched both docu docu series that one was like the other one was like let's bury Carl Lenz this one was like let's not bury him let's bury the rest of it it was just it was a lot I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm rambling but it just I I I don't like what I felt like they were trying to make me feel in this mm. docu series if that makes sense ah, interesting Mm-hmm. Ramble as much as you like. I, I I saw the steam. I normally go to the guest first, but I'm going to marry first because it's going to be an explosion. Mark, what were your overall thoughts on this four part docu series? Well, I loved hearing Mari what you had to say because I had such a different experience. Mm-hmm. But I think that everything you just said is completely valid, and it's <laughs> making me think about what I came to this documentary with, namely almost no information about Hillsong. I only knew Hillsong as the creator of this music. Like that's how I knew them. I didn't know anything about this scandal. I barely even knew that there had been a scandal. Uh, I didn't know that there, I certainly hadn't seen the other documentary series that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. I didn't know who Carl Lentz was. I didn't know any of it. So for me, this was like my first pass with all of this information So as a newcomer to the information, I was totally riveted and actually wanted there to be more because I wanted to hear more about like, what is this college that they created? Please tell me more about why was there a university? And I was sort of, um, I also have a, a very deep interest in the way that our need for faith can be manipulated because I Mm -hmm. find so often that I have so much sympathy with people who just want to belong to a spiritual community. And then Jim Jones ends up being the one who's in charge um, or similar. And so all of that kept me captivated. And I think you're exactly right that in the fourth episode, 
they definitely decide that it's time for the Carl Lentz redemption arc. Yes. And it didn't. I I guess because I was just receiving all of this as new information, I didn't think about that until right now that clearly the reason that they gave him the redemption arc is because he's the one who sat down and talked to them. And they tilted the bias toward the ones who would play ball. Uh But that being said, though, I agree that there is an enormous grain of salt that one must carry into the fourth episode as a neophyte to this information. I was really interested and I thought they did such a good job of laying out this complicated story in an order that made me feel dramatically satisfied. So for me coming from where I was coming from, this was a good project with obvious biases all the same. Yes. I, I, I liked this uh, very much. Mm -hmm. I, it's a, there's a lot of moving parts and I thought the way it was laid out, as you say, narratively was very good. I, you know, end of uh, the first episode when Carl sits down and was like, oh, my God, you guys, here's Carl. Yeah. Episode two, very Carl-centric, and these are some of the notes that I wrote mm-hmm. because I'm very anti-Carl Lenz and I was furious at the redemption arc in episode four. Mm-hmm. But in, by, in episode two, I was still thinking, okay, this is good. Here he is sitting down with his Jesus hair. <laughs> Carl says, the secrets I carried. So you guys, it was hard for him as well, like having mm-hmm. affairs or he he says it's an affair. She says it was coerced sex, mm-hmm. you know. But so Carl says the secrets I carried, so it's very hard for him. He talked about himself in the third person. Uh, what was Carl mm-hmm. thinking? He talks about himself in the second person, which is a really good way to distance yourself from anything you've done. So. When you're really in power and you're really busy and your wife is there and you, 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 he's talking about you. It's not you, Carl. It's you. That's an I statement. (laughs) There weren't a lot of I statements. There were you statements and Carl statements. It's Brian's fault. That's the other thing we learned. According to Carl, Uh it's Brian's fault. Uh, Carl has ADHD. I know lots of people with ADHD. They're not behaving the way you are. He will never recover. From Laura, his wife, from Laura's reaction to him telling her. He'll never recover from that. Her oh, reaction oh. to him telling her was so damaging to him. Poor fellow. <laughs> am I am I am I salting this? Uh, infidelity is a dark place to be. Uh, there were things in the Zoom meeting that were twisted. He was sexually abused as a child, and I I take my hands off that because I believe him that he was. And I know mm-hmm. the long-term effects of that personally. And I also, they show it so sensitively and so well with the older men in this and mm-hmm. many other, unfortunately, documentaries. In archival footage, we hear him use the phrase, which I don't really want to get my mouth around, but I will, non-white people. And I literally gasped. Contemporaneously, now in 2023, he used the same expression. I thought, mm. Carl, where is your media training, let alone your empathy, your sympathy, your understanding that you did anything wrong? And then my, fi- and, uh, my final note was he tried to stop racism, you guys. So I thought in episode two that Carl thought he was on his redemption arc 
and the filmmakers mm-hmm. were just allowing him to show his whole ass. Hmm. This was not true by episode four. Laura's still with him, the family, the parents-in-law. I, I want to say I had complicated feelings about him, but I actually didn't. I saw a mm-hmm. man professing to repentance, but the narcissism is still there. The self-regard is still there. The distancing himself from his actions is still there. Uh, and so I got very <laughs> heated and agitated. Uh, Carl is not the only person in, in this uh, documentary, but he, he is the, the first person we meet, let's say, and he casts a looming shadow over all of the episodes. Mark, what's your Carl take? You know, it's so interesting because Carl didn't really figure that much in my experience of watching. Truly. Wow. And I guess I I, had such different experiences. (laughs) I actually kind of felt like the things that I took away from this were had nothing to do with Carl in a way. Oh, okay. That he was just like he because again, I didn't know who he was. So I I didn't know in advance that he was uh like a big deal. I felt like he was an important part of the story and that he contextualized the power that Hillsong had. But my big takeaways were more about the well, kind of what I said before, the the need that this church fulfilled in people and then how it betrayed those people. Uh, and uh-huh. I was thinking what I thought about for days after I watched this was the way that those students felt uh-huh. and the way that some of the uh, the people volunteers, co- some of the people of yeah. color in the church talked about. their hopes and how their hopes were dashed against the rocks because they were told you i'm going to get emotional just talking about this they were told you can belong here you are home here and they thought i great i i trust you and then they were lied to Mm -hmm. and those young people who thought i can go become a minister i can become a pastor i can have a purpose in my life that has a spiritual component and they were lied to and those men that we were introduced to, like you said, Sarah, who had been abused by the elder Houston and talking about how they had believed in this man and had been betrayed by him. That's what stuck with me. And honestly, Carl's story felt like a tawdry afterthought for me compared to all of that. But it's so interesting, Mm -hmm. you know, but everything that you said, yes. Also that. (laughs) Yes. It's so funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm glad that I'm glad that Mark is is here to give that that thought process but because it's true. Not you know, now that I think about it, um this this docuseries as a whole was way more entertaining than the original one I watched. Mm. However, it, it was it was entertaining, I, I I say. I say entertaining um because I did like they used contemporary music to show uh, like at the beginning, they use pretty boy swag to, to show how Carl Lenz had like affected uh, so many celebrities and young people and stuff like that. And, and the way that um, the documentary was produced did feel fresher. However, the other documentary did a way better job, I felt, of talking about some of the, 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 the scandals. I, I felt like this one, The Secrets of Hillsong, it was like, these are all of the things that Hillsong has did. Like they were racist. <laughs> they uh, enabled child sexual abuse. They have this college in Australia that's doing really bad things, but they don't 
they tell it to you, but they don't dig into a lot of it. When they did dig, they digged into Frank Houston's background, and that was most of episode three. And sad to say, that was the most boring part of the whole series to me is when they when they went backwards because at this point you've already built up two episode two episodes about the modern day take of Hillsong. So when you go back in the third episode to try and give me some backstory, I'm kind of bored at this point. And the other documentary did it the exact opposite way. The other documentary started from the beginning talking about the foundation of Hillsong and went into the structure and the foundation of Hillsong. And I learned so much more about it. I felt from that other documentary because they they use a strictly linear uh, narrative and I thought that one worked way better and I was like Mark if you want to know more I would suggest that you go and watch this the other one because it talks about more about I didn't realize that a lot of those songs from like you know um back in the the late 90s early 2000s where you fall asleep and your tv's still on and it's like our God is an awesome God. He is was made by Hillsong. Like they, 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 yep. they created that. And and you don't know. I I think the other one gives a a much more in depth look into more of the shenanigans. The other one only talks about Carl Lenz for like half of the second episode. It then uses the last the la- the episode 3 and episode 4 to to talk more to more of the victims. Episode 3 is mostly about Hillsong um college in in um Hillsong a mega church exposed on ID discovery. So this is the the documentary we're not talking about. I'm I'm sorry listeners, I'm trying to keep them separate, but it's, this is going to be like the Murdoch uh, episode we did where right. we talked about uh, that, but but that's actually really good for me to hear to know that there is a property that exists that is exploring the things that I was more drawn to. Yeah. In the story. And, and now that you are talking, I think these are definitely uh, uh, companion pieces in a sense where like, I think watching this one would, would be, I would watch this one first and then go and watch the, mm. the, uh, interesting. the um, other one in, in that order. Because when I did it the opposite way, I was like, dog, this is it, it. It felt it felt so out of place to me because I'm like, you are driving head first. They, it felt like they just dove head first into building up the lore of Carl Lind in that first episode to me. I, I, I felt like they weren't talking about Hillsong. They were talking about Carl. You mm. know what I'm saying? Like, I felt like that first episode was like. Hillsong came to New York City. They knew it was going to be tough, but Carl was the one to do it. You know what I'm saying? Like we yeah. we, we we get we're talking to all of those volunteers who a lot of them were black. And if you if you notice the dates of when they were a part of Hillsong, a lot of those volunteers were there at the beginning, but left right around the like right around the time Hillsong, Hillsong started getting big, like 2015, 2016. They weren't mm. there by the time that. It, it everything hit the fan in 2020 you know what i'm saying like it was built on their backs they figured out it was not okay and they got out you know before mm. it got too big and that's what i kind of felt i kind of felt like that first episode was kind of prepping us for carl so that when carl sat down at the end of the first episode and we hear from him in episode two i was i truly like my notes are like dog this is all about carl like uh uh, t- uh 20 minutes in they're talking about um they're talking about how they are have those conservative principles, but they're they're using like a, a mask of liberalism to portray it. Uh, Thirty minutes in, Carl is on Oprah. You know what I'm saying? Where where 
we're getting told about they're they're laying the ground like these are the we're talking about the unpaid volunteers there's two different types of volunteers we're hearing from the people who lived it about the unpaid volunteers then we hear about the black lives matter stuff and it's like uh carl we we get that that audio of of carl being told about black lives matter stuff and that oh look he tr- he tried to get some black people on stage for like a week or two but then once he left oh, it, yes. it went back to the same you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying mm-hmm. like they were laying the groundwork for like these are the these are the issues that we are going to confront him with this 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 and this and then once we got to him, he literally did it. It was the exact same order. Um, unpaid volunteers, black people. And, and then also we get we get uh, Josh, Josh's story here as well, which I want to go a little bit more in depth on. I don't, I don't want it to be a part of this rant. But like, I truly felt that this documentary was was it was trying to elicit me to feel Okay, we want you to feel bad uh, that that Hillsong did this. We want Carl to be able to come and apologize for it, and then we want you to be able to think like, "Oh, look!" In in comparison to what Brian Houston did, in comparison to what Frank Houston did, in comparison to what's going on Hill Hillsong Song College, in comparison to what that other um, Reed Bogard in in Texas did, who was accused of rape, you know. All, like in comparison, Carl's not that bad, guys. You know what I'm saying? Like, really? I mean, if you really look at all of this stuff, he's not that bad. And and that's that's kind of what I felt like with this with this docu series and Carl himself. It did I, feel it, like a it did feel like a heel turn to me as well when we get to we when we get to uh, Carl we, and in we call that a swerve. You thought it was one swerve thing, to and avoid, worked, swerve to avoid personal responsibility. <laughs> uh, Mark, the talking heads in this, Murray's uh, touched on a few, and Murray, I will come back to you for Josh. Tell us about the talking heads and how they impressed you, if they did. I was particularly struck by Brett Singstock, who led the charge in terms of testifying about Frank Houston. And initially did so under a pseudonym, but eventually made his name and identity public. And he struck me as someone who was incredibly brave and incredibly rooted in principle. And it was really moving to meet someone in the context of this story that could be described as brave and principled, frankly. And uh, his his willingness to say hard things when there was no obvious gain, I thought was quite honorable. And I was really glad to get to know about him and his story. Yes, it was an array of, of talking, I mean, incredible access to people who had, who were in the church, people who were uh, victims of the church, uh, some leaders, but really very few. I was very impressed with Tiff Perez. She's the first person we speak to yes. and we see her throughout. She had a great calling to be a minister and after six years was looking up at the stage and realised the only people on the stage that are in leadership roles, forward, uh, you know, forward leadership roles are white men. You may see women, they are the white women who are married to the white men. She also says the money was counted and then I don't know. She was so 
clear in her thoughts. I really admired her. I admired, I mean, oh, all the yeah. people who came forward and spoke so honestly. But she in particular, because she took us through her why she went to the church, what she found there, what she found so alluring and uplifting and emboldening. Mm -hmm. And then even seeing the glass ceiling, she thought, I'm going to be the one that breaks Mm -hmm. it. Yes. And young women of colour who come behind me will see me and I will be there. And then, of course, no, the door gets closed Mm -hmm. in her face. She leaves. She now has her, her own thoughts and her own life. And I thought to show us this incredible arc Everybody tells us a bit, but Tiff Perez for me showed me the whole, the whole sweep of how that can engage you and it engaged, you know, almost a decade of her young life. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a lot of time to put your faith and trust in an institution and people who are going to betray it. They actually did a really good job of um, mirroring, mirroring her experience with uh, Carl Lenz's. They were doing this mm. trick in episode two of talking about how Carl Lenz came to Hillsong and Hillsong College. And he w- he himself was talking about, you know, once I got to Hillsong, I met he met uh, Brian Houston's son and immediately became friends with him. And then off the back of Carl telling his story, we go over. Oh, directly over to Tiff Perez, she'd be like, yeah, I got the Hillsong. It was not like I I, I thought or anticipated. Like, I liked the mirroring that they did, mm-hmm. um, the production, um, hats off to the production team about that, because I think they really were able to orchestrate and show you the differences between their experiences. And and at one point, Tiff just come, comes right out and says it. She's like, my experience was different than Carl Lindsay's because he's a white man and I'm not. And so I think they did a great job of, of that as well. I will say too, she stuck with me too, because both of my parents are teachers and they were very good teachers. They're retired now, but I was just instilled from a very early age that one of the jobs of adults is to see passion in a young person and to help it develop. And I felt so angry for her because She cared enough about becoming a preacher that she made all of these sacrifices and did all of these things because she Mm -hmm. wanted it. And the fact that she could be in this institution that would ignore her made me furious for her Mm -hmm. because she would have been great. I mean, maybe she is being a great preacher right now. I honestly don't know. But to have someone like that in your institution and to not see them or to see them and ignore them, it's infuriating. And she did a great job of making me feel that on her behalf. (laughs) (laughs) and also by extension that it was not just her experience but was the experience of a lot of the young people particularly the black and people of color uh, young people who went there for something to see something to be something Mm -hmm. yeah and and not just the black people and people of color but our queer friends our gay friends like they also went to hillsong because like mark said that the logo the sorry the statement was welcome home you know and it was wrapped in and come as you are come as you are (laughs) yes exactly and um for for this portion of like that first episode we do we get josh canfield like like legendary survivor player. As soon as I saw him, I was like, wow. Um, from season 29, San Juan del Sur, he was talking about how he was trying to find a church and how he found Hillsong and he was able to do the things that he wanted to do. He was on the on the choir. He was on stage. And he, yeah, he, he was, was a dead. choir he was like, master he, at one point. Yeah. He, yes, he, he was choir master. He never he said he never hid 
that he was gay. He never hid it. Um, him and his boyfriend, of course, Reed, um, would would attend services together. They would sit in the front together. He never saw it as a problem. Nobody ever really said it was a problem to him. That's what he, that's what he said. He never um, uh, really got that idea that it was a problem until they they went on Survivor. He said he reached out to Carl Lynn. He said, "Hey, Carl, I'm gonna go on the show. I would like to talk about the church while I'm on it. Is that okay?" And Carl said, yeah, go for it, go for it. And so we even get a small clip from Survivor, like him and Reed. And, and I forgot how invasive that, like, that clip was back in that season. They're like, the, uh, Jeff Probst and his voice, like, Josh and Reed, a gay couple who was waiting for marriage. They're Christians. And I'm like, oh my God, like, what? <laughs> you told all their business on this show, you know? Um, and it was so funny because, like, I, 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 I reached out to Josh just to let him know that we were doing this and, and you know just to let them know that you, you know this is our HAP net, network we value our connections with um, former survivor players and just to let him know that I thought he did phenomenal in this documentary and that him telling his story was was amazing and that you know we we just wanted to let give him the heads up uh, but his story about being open and feeling free and feeling so good about being in this church and being a part of it and then once he goes on TV Brian Houston hears of it and he immediately sits out a, a statement like, no, we do not agree with the gay lifestyle and stuff yeah. like this and denied Josh. Josh says he denied my existence. He said, he said, we do not have a, a gay um, master choir master. And, and, and Josh said he was, he was stunned. And um, that was the beginning of the end for him. And it's just things like this that really like, like Mark said, it just pisses me off. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because it's like all of these people come to you thinking that they found something different in this church. You promised it. You promised, you promised it. it. Yes, exactly. Like well, yeah, we are on record. Not, I, I am not a fan of organized religion at all. <laughs> Sarah definitely is. I'm an atheist. So, <laughs> yes. So, to, so for people to feel like they could be open, they could be themselves and, and, and finding a home. And then for that home to be flipped on them so abruptly and their existence denied it. It's in fury. It's infuriating. And um, hearing from, I, I hearing from the talking heads that we, we, we hear from it's, it's, I, I kind of want to say victims, but I don't know if that's the correct terminology. Um, I think I wanted their voices magnified a little bit more because I felt like Carl Lindsay's outdid them. Mm. And switching back yeah, over to the I other docuseries, yeah. the other docuseries, <laughs> they actually are given more time in the other docuseries to talk to way more um, victims of, of Hillsong and, and stuff like that. So th that's one little knock on this docuseries. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, the uh, one thing that they that they that sh shocked me that it's public is that Frank Houston says uh, homosexual said homosexuality is the same as murder. It's as bad as murder. Right. How do you start right. with that and then have a church that says you are welcome here, you are home, come as you are? Mm -hmm. And we hear briefly the college. I did want more about the college too, Mark. So it's interesting. Mm -hmm. I may go to the other documentary and look. Because mm -hmm. even as recently as uh, 2020, we hear from Andrew Christensen, who's an American, uh, he's a college student, and he and the wonderful Libby Perez talked about at your intake at the college, you sit down 
with leaders. They uh-huh. ask you, have you masturbated in the last six months? Have you had sex in the last year? Have you ever had sex? Have you had homosexual thoughts, feelings, or experiences? And as Louis says, well, had I known, the answer's no, right? Like, how did mm-hmm. I not know that the answer's no? Because you're a young person and you trust them. And if you say yes to anything, you get a little red sticker that goes on your name tag so that mm-hmm. everybody that sees you at the college knows you are struggling. Andrew Christensen managed to know to know that he he would say no, but he did tell them about a certain experience. When he hoped to go on tour to Indonesia, he was a drummer. He hoped to go on this very exciting Hillsong tour of Indonesia. He was told, no, you're not going because you have a homosexual experience uh, in your past. And he was very puzzled because he thought, but I don't. I'm not gay and I don't. And if I was, I would have said because Hillsong's so open and welcoming. And then he realised that he told them about being molested as a young boy by a previous church, a church's leader, and this is why he had this label in his uh, in his record, let's say. And it just made me reflect on the using that we hear all the way through the wonderful black woman in Buffalo who was thrilled to be in all the uh, advertising material for Hillsong Buffalo, and then she realised, oh, it's because I'm the only black person here. And when she criticised the <laughs> church, she was told to leave the church and that the police would come and arrest her for trespass if she didn't leave the church. She didn't, good for her, out, escort her out, let's say. That was Crystal Rose, uh, and I'm sorry I said Buffalo. It was actually Kansas City. She was there from 2016 to 2019. Again, seeking and thinking that she had found a place to be. Okay, why are you telling me so much about Frank Houston? You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, I get it. I mean, I mean, I get it. He, you know, he started the foundations of a, another church that was what became Hillsong. You know what I'm saying? But at this point, again, in the first two episodes, we had not heard of Frank Houston being, and, and you know, he is the he is the father of Brian Houston. So them going into Frank Houston's background and then uncovering all of this child sexual abuse, uh, covering that. Brian and other um, board members of the church were made aware of the child sexual abuse allegations against Frank Houston. And it going from, you know, we, we have about what, two victims on the record here in some way, shape or form. But uh, at the end, we know that there might be up to 13 victims of Frank Houston that was uncovered during this Royal Commission. I was just like, wow, this is messed up. And again, it, and, and, and then the, the hypocrisy of it all, which in another way is not shocking. You know what I'm saying? That's that's another thing. I'm like, oh, wow. Are you telling me that a huge megachurch uh, misused or, or abused people sexually, financially, yes. and spiritually? Oh, wow. Who could have thought? You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> that was another thing. I'm like, of yes. course, this, this is what happens in organized religion when you let people run rampant like this. You know what I'm saying? But I I did yes. I did like that if the so, bridge was finally connected that what was what happened with Frank Houston back in that in those days was now finally being investigated and they were now investigating Brian Houston and uh, for covering it up and that he is now facing charges in the cover-up of child sexual abuse. So they did eventually yes. connect the two, but I was confused there for a, a good chunk of it. 
Well, Mari was talking about how unsurprising it is to hear that a megachurch has exploited its parishioners. And that that mm-hmm. that depressing predictability is just mm-hmm. so sad because mm-hmm. I actually know in my own life quite a few church leaders of smaller churches who are lovely people who seem to do nothing but make people's lives feel a little better. And uh, I feel like, why do we keep falling again and again into the trap of the church that becomes a brand, you know, that becomes like, how many times does that have to happen? I guess the Catholic church being the ultimate example of that, but (laughs) what it just feels like, the the need for spiritual sucker is permanent in us and so many of us find that through faith but why do we so many of us so often over and over and over again fall into the trap of thinking that bigger flashier louder more theatrical is somehow better only to learn time and again that it's always worse it just I'm fascinated by how this pattern repeats endlessly throughout the millennia. And uh, I I keep coming back to these stories because I just, I, I, I don't, I I've never belonged to a mega church, but I'm just fascinated by them because of how easily it seems we can have this need exploited in ourselves as a, as a human race. Mm. Yes, I mean, I think one of the things that the documentary does really well is show how Hillsong's rise and rise and rise was based on how you make corporations bigger and bigger and bigger. And um, yes, I just mm-hmm. never quite thought about it like that. And then when you do, but with none of the oversight, regulation or taxability of, of corporations. So uh, Brian Houston, the verdict will be handed down in June which is we're in June now, the Downing Centre Court, which you saw in the documentary, is 10 minutes from where I live. It's where I serve my jury duty. So I might try and go and be down there on the day and I can report report back. Mark, your final thoughts and your ratings of how many magnifying glasses are you going to give the secrets of Hillsong out of a possible five? My final thought is I'm very glad that I watched this. There was so much in it that I found chewy in the sense that there was a lot to think about a lot to ponder after I finished watching. And despite the biases of this piece, which I feel like we've articulated much more clearly today than I was doing when I was watching it myself, I am still more than happy to recommend it. And on a scale of five magnifying glasses, I actually would give it four. I think it's really worth the investment. Thank okay. you. Murray, your, mm-hmm. your final thoughts on this docu-series and your rating of magnifying glasses. My final thoughts is I think this series did what it was supposed to do in that uh, for people like Mark, it 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 really sparks some interest in, in what is going on in Hillsong. I think it peels back the curtain a little, but I feel like it got... Um, a little bit too preoccupied with trying to wrap its narrative around the Carl Lynn situation that it doesn't um, expose Hillsong enough for me, you know? (laughs) So I, I do think that again, it, it was very well produced. I think it was produced in such a way that 
I thought it kept you interested. Like Mark said, it, it really keeps you like wanting to know more. However, I think playing with some of the timeline stuff is not something I think they should have done. I, this isn't this isn't like uh, the girl in the picture or anything like that. You don't really need to do a, a bait and switch. Gotcha. Like, oh, we showed you all this bad stuff, but this is the real bad stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like uncovered in episode three. We talk about this all the time, Sarah, right? It's like that big reveal in, in the, the mid episode or the or episode three or episode two that is like, this, this isn't a twist. You know, it, 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 we don't need this. Um but I think it has very high watchability. Uh, and I think you could watch other properties, this and other pro- properties and be satisfied with the story. So I'm going to give it a 3.5. Yeah, it wasn't bad. Four parts. I think the worst thing about it is four parts on Hulu and I don't pay for Hulu with no commercials. So that <laughs> <laughs> again, this is, I think most of this was my personal, like just why, why is it another four parts? Why is it? about Hillsong again I don't think they really revealed any new information to be quite honest again the only thing that was new to this documentary that was not new to the other one is Carl Lindsay's side of the story you know and uh, Sarah knows my thought process on having perpetrators of the crimes talk about their 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 crimes and I and again (sighs) Like, that's what annoys me because, like, he was an adulterer, you know, he's an adulterer and he got kicked out of the church for being an adulterer, which, again, it's like he was just an adulterer, guys. He wasn't touching kids like these other people. Like, it's just I don't know. It made me feel icky. Sorry, I keep going on and on, but I'm gonna give it 3.5. Sarah, how about you? <laughs> wow, that's higher than I thought for given 40 minutes ago what you were saying. It was actually good. I mean, I... it's good. <laughs> it is yeah. good. Look, I, 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 I'm going to recommend it. You watch it. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'm going to recommend it. I think it, I mean, the, the opening credits are very flashy and groovy. We see the sort of the Vanity yes. Fair stamp to it. It's very watchable. I think for me, four parts mm-hmm. was fine in terms of the length of time. The troubling thing for me is I feel like they might have started making it not knowing whether they were going to get Carl or not. I could be wrong. but. Once they got Carl, there was a shift and there weren't the hard questions being asked. There weren't the, yeah, he got to tell his story pretty much um, unconfronted other than Mm -hmm. the camera. He enjoyed it. He's a narcissist. You could see him enjoying his own pain at his sins. But I think, I mean, on, on the whole, I'm going to give it four. I was quite high on the documentary despite the non-apology tour and uh, focus on Carl Lentz uh, towards the end. Let's talk about something a bit more pleasant. Mark, what do you have to recommend to our listeners? What have you been watching, listening to or reading recently? I'm trying to just narrow it down. Mm -hmm. This is okay. Don't narrow it down. Okay, well, I can. This is something that other people may have talked about on the show because it's been out for a few weeks. But there's a show on Peacock called Mrs. Davis, which stars Betty Gilpin, and it in it she plays a nun who is trying to take down a an algorithm that is slowly taking over the consciousness of the entire planet. So. Mm-hmm. 
you put this little listening device in your ear and Mrs. Davis can tell you anything. It's like bigger, more powerful than Google. But then Mrs. Davis starts giving you instructions about what you're supposed to do. And interestingly, in Mrs. Davis, the nun's faith is important and real, but it is also treated as something, for lack of a better term, fleshy. There is there is violence and sex and bad language wrapped up in her very real faith. And yeah. I love the show because it's wild and funny. And every episode has a slightly different cinematic quality. She has little tasks that she has to solve in order to bring down Mrs. Davis. But there's this underlying assumption that believing in something will make you conquer the thing that is trying to destroy the world. And it's a really lovely take on the hero's journey. And I enjoy it very much. The other thing that I can recommend is a reality competition show on Netflix called the barbecue showdown, which (laughs) is just so delightful in its journey of following a bunch of country ass people making barbecue in the middle of a Georgia field. And there's just something really I'm from East Tennessee and I just feel like, yes, this is what it is like to live in the South. This is not the South that is so often portrayed. I feel like in reality shows, this just feels like Mm -hmm. what it's really like. Just people making barbecue and being funny and then they serve you a plate. And I just really get invested in these challenges where they have to make like a whole hog in 45 minutes or whatever. So those are the two things that are bringing me joy at this moment. Oh, so delicious. Mari, what about you? Uh, So for me, It is now Pride Month uh, coming up here. And so I am in a book club and our book club read for for this month is The Song of Achilles. Oh, Mark's going nuts there. I know, I know. Silently, very politely and silently going nuts. You like this book, Mark? It is amazing. As somebody who loves Greek mythology, um, it has sat on my bookshelf for years i think i made the mistake of listening to cersei first which is also by madeline miller which was a good book but it was okay it was only okay and so i now have the excuse i had the excuse to listen to this and i am all in it is great i love some homoeroticism in my greek mythology and i think it's it's so fun If, if if that's up your alley it's a retelling of the iliad almost um definitely go check that out audible uh, Kindle, wherever you get your books. Mark, I should keep going. I just want to say that I've given copies of The Song of Achilles to at least five people. It's one yeah. of my favorite books of the last 20 years. I cannot recommend it enough. So good. Um, and then also uh, Crime Scene Kitchen is coming back to Fox this week on June 5th. Uh, it is one of my favorite shows. If you are not familiar with Crime Scene Kitchen, I think you can watch uh, season one on Hulu. I can't remember if I've suggested this before. Sorry if I had. I'm suggesting season two now. But basically, um, cooks uh, are, they go head to head. All they have is a kitchen that's dirty and they have to they go into the crime scene kitchen, which they have to figure out what you're, you they made, what was made in that kitchen by looking at like the dirty dishes, what ingredients are on the table and stuff like that. And they go back to their own stations and it's a, normally a dessert and they have to make that dessert and and they have to figure out what the dessert is and make it just from the clues in the crime scene kitchen. It 
I mean, it's such a fun show. If you like figuring stuff out in detective work, like I'm sure you do because you're listening to Crime Scene Podcast, definitely go check out Crime Scene Kitchen season two when it drops on Fox uh, June 5th uh, at 9 p.m. Sarah, how about you? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, the incredible Happy Valley is on its third and I believe last season. This is created by the amazing Sally Wainwright and starring starring the extraordinary Sarah Lancashire. I don't think any of those superlatives are out of place for anyone who knows Happy Valley. It's grim, it's bleak, and it's some of the best television I've ever seen. I absolutely love it. If you haven't watched it, you can start at season one. And if you're watching uh, season three now, message me and let me know your thoughts. Grim and bleak, just how I like it. No, I keep a list of TV shows I mean to watch, and you've reminded me that I want to watch that. Because I, I just think I would love it. And, you know, I didn't even watch Prime Suspect until like two years ago. So I got to pick oh, these. Things. Okay. And then I watched <laughs> all seven seasons of Prime Suspects in like four days. So I'm sure I will devour <laughs> this too. Yes. It's, uh, I don't know if it's a binge. You tell me once you get onto <laughs> it. Uh, because, yeah, yes, it's very, very good. And uh, we'll talk about it when you, when you, next time we see you. Great. At Crime Scene, we're eager to hear your feedback and suggestions for further episodes. You can follow Crime Scene on Twitter at Crime Scene RHAP, that's S-E-E-N, or email us at Crime Scene RHAP at gmail.com. We're on TikTok at Crime.Scene and on Instagram and Facebook at Crime Scene Podcast. And please remember to subscribe to our, our feed. Rob has a website.com slash crime feed. It makes a big difference. Mark, what have you got going on and where can people find you? Well, the best place to find me right now is on Twitter at I am Blankenship. That's I-A-M-B-L-A-N-K-E-N-S-H-I-P. You can find me on my podcast with regular crime scene guest Sarah D. Bunting called Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs. Coming up soon, we have a season in which we are going to determine the all-time greatest song built around someone's name. So come and join yeah. us to see how Mickey by Tony Basil does in mm-hmm. that incredible debate. And you can find me on Substack at lostsongs.substack.com. That's where I have my l- newsletter, The Lost Songs Project, where I celebrate top 10 hits with fewer than 10 million streams and investigate why they were popular then and what they can still tell us now. Excellent. Amari, what have you got going on and where can the people find you? Um, the Wrestling Rehap Up is back. So if Woo-hoo. you want to hear me and Matt Scott talk all things wrestling, uh, you don't even got to watch. We're, we're, for, we're here for casual fans, people who don't watch, and those hardcore fans. You can go to robhasawebsite.com slash wrestling feed. You can hear us and all of our wonderful guests talk about the weird, wild, wacky world of professional wrestling. You can also follow me on on Twitter at Mari Talks Too Much. That's two like the number two. Um, where anything I'm doing, I'll I'll uh, post there. Um, you can also follow me at twitch.tv slash Mari Talks Too Much and YouTube at Mari Talks Too Much, where I will be posting and streaming all of my Dredge content, where uh, I play a video game called Dredge, uh, where I fish very, very spooky 
spooky fish. Um, also, you can catch me playing Goose Goose Duck with the squad and just experimenting over there. So please go and follow me on twitch.tv slash Mari Talks Too Much. Also, I dropped a special, me and Rob are talking about Naked and Afraid, Last One Standing. We're talking about episodes one through four. I got the big boss man to talk to me about Naked and Afraid, about a season that's like, it's like a mix of an all-star season of Survivor with like challenges and there's finally money. And it's kind of like the show Outlast on Netflix. So it's a whole new concept from the Naked and and Afraid um, universe. And I convinced him. And it'll be dropping soon. So make sure you follow me to know when that drops. Uh, Sarah, what do you got going on? Well, people can follow me on Twitter at Sarah Carradine. Over on Post Show Recaps, Sasha, Kirsten, Geneva, and me have, that's ungrammatical, but I'll go with it, have reassembled <laughs> to cover Queen Charlotte, a Bridgerton story. We're just about to drop our finale episode recap. So watch out for that. Also on Post Show Recaps, I've just finished covering Love and Death, the dramatization of the Candy Montgomery, Betty Gore axe murder case from 1980 with Latonya Starks. So you can listen to all of our coverage there. I was on the Crime Writers on Book Club talking about Rogues by Patrick Radden Keefe with past guest of the show, Toby Ball and the great Leah Satilli. And I'll be talking Yellow Jacket season two with Kimberly and Katie from A Date with Dateline. Buzz, buzz. Murray, what are we covering next week? Next time on Crime Scene, we are covering The Curious Case of Natalie Grace with Sarah D. Bunting. Watch it on ID Discovery and send us your comments and questions. Thanks to Mark Blankenship for joining us, Will from America for the theme music, and the whole RHAP team behind the scenes. Until next time... Case Case closed. closed.